In a universe where life does not end at death, we explore the infinite possibilities forged by our very minds. Welcome to our Thadian Anthologies. Greetings, fellow travelers and storytellers. Welcome to the Arthadian Anthologies podcast, where I, MS Arthadian, dive into the ever-expanding universe I'm developing and the deeper meaning behind it all. If you didn't notice, last week I failed to mention what topic I would be going over this week. I figured we'd step away from the philosophical leaning of the core and its sages and instead head into a more storytelling-based arc. Therefore, in this entry and even a few more after this one, you will gain insight into how the command colonies came into fruition. These entries will focus on an elite command squadron known as Hearts of Glory. I'll be telling this like a short story, so sit back, relax, and enjoy the entry. It's strange to look back on memories of people you thought were only going to hold you down. But in the end, they made you even better than you ever thought imaginable. This goes back to cycle 15, in the month of Vainzo during the Equilil Array. I had just finished graduating from the Command Acolyte Assembly at the Runic Corps, and was to be assigned to my first squadron. As the new command officer in Branch 5, I was to be assigned to an exploration detail. Originally, I requested an opportunity to explore many worlds, to learn about different advancing civilizations, and access to more knowledge than I could have ever imagined. Thanks to General Mason, he directed me to my commanding officer, a prime that I knew best as Commander Sema of Hearts of Glory. I recall the mark we met, escorted to her training simulation with our current squad. Watching the monitor that streamed their live training felt like they were living a singular moment in time where all they could think about was survival. Her squadron consisted of three others, another prime that seemed to watch Sema's back consistently. I found out later that they were brother and sister, an Arves Gretacon that seemed to be the enforcer of the squadron, and a Yen that I didn't notice in the simulation until the general pointed out that their mission in the training was to infiltrate the enemy ranks. Peering deeper into what was happening, I realized the Yen had taken the form of one of their foes and began tearing them apart from the inside. I asked Mason, how was she able to create an illusion like that? His response was a slight smirk and, when inside a simulation, you can adjust the settings, but in reality, the job to create illusory effects like the one you see there, extends to their science officer, which is now going to be your directive. It is the role of a science division to craft gadgets and materials for squadrons and the larger whole of Corps Command. I remember this is what drew me to serving in the Hearts of Glory. As they exited their simulation with a success rate of 86%, the General and I overheard Commander Sema giving them the spiel she always gives after a mission. Rock, great work at keeping the forces at bay. Though there were times where we could have avoided backward assaults, we got through the mission nonetheless. And Lee, no more lollygagging when infiltrating at the start of a mission. Hearing this, she seemed to be addressing the Arvesk and Yen, 
and then came the rebuttal from the end. Ah, come on, Sema. You know that most people only do what their commanders tell them to do. Not all people are bad. As Lee exclaimed this, Sema noticed the general and I, and went to attention along with the two others doing the same. Lee, however, wasn't facing us, so she was dumbfounded when Sema responded with respect at her outburst. It took her a brief moment to understand what was going on, and finally, she went to attention. I could tell General Mason was laughing on the inside. He had an interesting sense of humor. Most Prime do. But he was the odd one out when it came to the command officials. At ease. I've come here to put the last puzzle piece into place for your squadron. Introducing your science operative, Aqualite. He scored in the top 10% of the assembly here on Orbital 3, and if I do say so myself, it's a tactical specialist when it comes to applying tech to combative situations. Oh yay! Now we can- Ow! Lee's excitement ended abruptly with a firm backhand from Commander Sema. Apologies for the outburst, General. Please continue. Actually, that's all I came here to say. Your first mission will be sent to you through your codexes. And until we meet again, Commander, this is your squadron. Whip him into shape. The Commander saluted, while the General nodded to me and left. Upon Mason's exit, the Commander began wailing into Lee. You know they will punish me for your insubordination. I'm sorry. It's just nice to finally be able to leave training now that we have a full squadron. Lee responded back. I could tell she was itching to be free from the confines of the assembly. I also felt I needed to clear the air in the chamber, so to speak. Greetings, fellow squadmates. It will be my pleasure to serve you as your science operative. If you need anything, please do not hesitate to... Oh yeah, I want Tech Hammer. Tech Hammer can help me smash heads in and protect Commander. Rock cut me off, but I suppose I asked for it. You probably should watch what you say around these two. They could be a real handful. The other Prime approached me and lent out his hand to shake mine. The name's Vandrix. I'm, uh, the pilot of the squadron. Ah, I see. So, I suppose I will be your navigator. Seems that way. The commander will probably assign some tasks to help me fix up the systems on our vessel when it's assigned to us. He responded in kind. But before we could continue conversing, the commander approached me. So... Tech specialist, eh? Being a Nagonian, I've always kept the pride of my species in the back of my mind. But when looking up at Commander Sema, an imposing force began chipping away at that pride. That is, um, that is my, uh, my specs. Yes, Commander. No need to get yourself all worked up. She smiled and placed a hand on my shoulder. When inside a squadron, we gotta know the ins and outs of our allies' skill sets. So... If you can give me a detailed analysis on what you believe are your primary skills when in the heat of the moment. It felt as though I was being put on the spot as each of them began staring at me, waiting for a response. To be absolutely honest, I haven't quite been in the heat of the moment. My training consisted of gadgeteer work, maintenance of spacecrafts, and a biological study of the uh, alien archives. Well then... She smiled, almost in a malicious manner. Fire up the simulation again, will you, Van? Sure thing, Commander. 
It was inside the simulation where I got my first taste of what it meant to be a command officer. They turned off the AI system that assisted in the science operative role and had me fill in instead. Entering the central chamber, the walls were lined with geometric iconography familiar to me. Anyone who has an understanding of subatomic formulae would be able to make out the mechanical makeup of the chamber. However, as soon as the simulation began, the walls shifted as an illusion of reality came into each of our mind's eyes. Out of nowhere, it felt and seemed like rain began to fall as the metal ground beneath me turned to mud. The aroma gave off a musk that made me want to hurl out my insides, but I kept my composure as the rest of my squadron knelt down by the brush. A few kilometers away were lights that would shine, though the rain obscured my vision when suddenly I was yanked down by the commander before the light fell upon me. First rule of every mission, do not be seen. She shook her finger at me as the rest of them all laughed. Shh! She pointed back at them. What's the plan, Commander? Vandrix asked, as we all watched Sema strategically analyze the field. Seeing the light source, though, I knew of a way to temporarily disable it to allow the squadron to further advance. Pulling out my rev jolter, I began messing with the calibration mechanism to cancel out electromagnetic radiation. What are you doing? I heard Lee ask. Um, I'm recalibrating my jolter to disable their light for a few seconds for us to advance forward. They all looked at me for a moment as the commander smiled. Glad to have you on board. Disabling the light was simple enough as we snuck our way to the entrance. Both Lee and Vandrix took down multiple foes without making a sound. Once at the entrance of the compound, the commander looked to me. Got any more fancy tricks up your sleeve? Without responding, I took out my scanning codex and modified the scan frequency to detect sounds coming from signs of life. Using this, I'll be able to detect anyone walking around the corners of the compound. Damn, you're a genius! Lee exclaimed. From that, however, I heard footsteps approaching and a voice say, Hey, you! Out of nowhere, Rock threw a tech blade at the figure approaching before they could alert any others. Heard that. Neat trick. Rock patted my head. Good work, Rock. And Lee, how many times do I have to say it? The commander gave Lee a stern look as she motioned for us to continue moving. Through the rest of the compound, the squadron made quick work of the enemy combatants, reaching our intended goal with a score of 98%. After our first training set, we completed four more before going on our mission, and each of them were 95% and above. For a squadron to have that kind of success rate, we were at the elite level before going on our first field mission. I thank you for listening to this entry. Next week will be a continuation of the story, going into the impact this squadron had on Core Command and the worlds they protect. Also, be sure to join the podcast listeners at arthadiananthologies.com slash squads to be able to vote on more entries like this one or other topics you may want to learn about. Once again, if you'd like to support my work, there are a few ways you can donate. You can receive exclusive content through subscribestar.com slash reborninpower. That's reborn-in-power. You can also support this podcast through Anchor. There should be a link on Spotify or whatever podcasting app you use. 
But in the end, you can find all these ways to support my work through OrthodianAnthologies.com. And please, share this with your friends who are looking for new ways to entertain themselves and immerse themselves. Until then, thank you again for your support. Be safe. Stay safe. And if death comes to you, may you be reborn in power. <laughs>